Welcome to Founder Journeys. This podcast is showcasing quick and high-impact conversations about the world of entrepreneurship. In each episode, we speak with founders and investors on specific subjects to inspire current and future entrepreneurs. Join our host, Catherine Lockhart, CEO of Propel, as we build a thriving and sustainable tech community together. Hi, everyone. I'm Catherine Lockhart, CEO of Propel and host of Founder Journeys. Today, we're so excited to be here with Tanya Gahiola. She is the CEO of Turing Fest, where she puts on events to support the UK's tech ecosystem with a focus on building better startups. Prior to Turing Fest, Tanya's career has spanned from Wall Street to being an entrepreneur and small business leader. She worked globally in everything from candy to telecom to education and always in finance and strategy. Tanya lives with her family in the Scottish Highlands, where she is currently restoring an old Victorian Gothic house in her free time. And I can imagine you don't have a lot of free time, but how cool is that? I'm really <laughs> I'm yeah, excited to have you. So welcome. Oh, thanks. It's so, it's so good to be here. It's good to see you. <laughs> so let's dive into the good stuff. We want to share right. some learnings with our audience, mostly founders, and a little bit about your journey. So Tanya, can you tell us about your career path and why did you found Quick Help? And maybe a little bit about what Quick Help was all about. Yeah, so Quick Help was a low-cost legal services business that was focused on helping the low-income community. So at the time I was living in Arizona, which is where I'm from, and the community there, like so many places in the U.S., access to the legal system is determined by how much money you have and what kind of resources you can bring to bear on, on a legal problem. And working with, my dad was a lawyer, and so we would see people you know, need legal help and and have to be turned away because they just couldn't afford legal fees or he was having to massively discount his, you know, what he would normally charge in order to be able to serve people in the community. And so when I was trying to figure out my next career move after the economy collapsed in late 2008, early 2009, I just kept, <laughs> I would interview for jobs and I just kept having the experience of thinking like, that's a really great job and that's a really good opportunity. And I just really don't want to do that. Or I don't want to work there or I don't want to work for that person. And I finally came to the realization of it was time to start my own thing. And this low cost legal services business was something that I'd worked on in college is something that I had launched in a much smaller way as a, as just kind of a one person gig in college and had made some money and had some success that way, but went back with the idea of, I'm going to start it as a real business and make a big, a real start of it, you know, like set up a retail space, hire employees, create software, you know, do, do the whole thing. Um, and yeah, we just dove in, dove in head first. My dad was my silent partner and kind of my, my advisor in the whole thing, but really he was more like my cheerleader and yeah. And we just, we just went for it. Well, and I love it. What I love about what you said, Tanya, is that you were in a position of, you know, the economy had sort of done its thing in 2008 to early 2009. And you were looking for what is that next step. And you really, it really sounded like you had this awareness about what you were willing and not willing to do. And that reflective moment of going, I need to work for myself because I'm not getting that 
that feeling that I want with all these other applications, which I, I just can imagine other founders experience that at similar times in their journey as well. So it's really nice to hear about when that happened for you. Yeah, I think, you know, you want to get excited about what you're doing. You want to be passionate about what you're working on. And sometimes, at least for me, it was going and having these conversations and thinking, that's a really great opportunity for somebody else, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Not me, not right now. Somebody else is going to love this. Yeah, Somebody else is going to really, really have a great time with this, but it's not for me. And, and And I just, you know, after I had that experience like four or five times in a row, I just started to come come around to the idea of like, okay, I'm just going to have to create my own, yeah. my own experience yeah. and what that looks like. Well, and this is great because when we, we want to increase in Atlantic Canada, as you know, we live in Atlantic Canada, we want to see more women and women identifying founders. And I think it's such a great opportunity to hear your story because you saw opportunities that were like, that is great for someone else. And I feel like you could write that on a t-shirt. <laughs> and if you're having that experience, then let's take Tanya as your inspiration. You know, you can lean into an entrepreneurial journey. It's not saying it's going to be easy, but listen to your gut on that one, because that's what we need more women and women identifying individuals to do step into the journey. There's lots of support will help you with that. But thank you for sharing that part of your journey. Let's talk about a little bit more about that journey. Can you tell us about some of the most important lessons you learned as a founder during your time running Quick Help? Definitely the need to have a support network around you. And that might mean like a financial support network, i.e. another job that you're doing in the meantime to pay the bills and keep the lights on. Um, It might mean emotional support, you know, your family, your friends. I think being a founder, especially being a sole founder, is a lot harder and more isolating than we tend to talk about in the ecosystem, you know, as people are thinking about how, what it takes to start a business. Once you're starting your own business and you're leading your own business, there's nobody else in your business who's having that same experience. So making sure that you have other people that you can talk to, people that are a safe place for you to vent about how hard it is, to talk about your fears, to support you when you need it. All of these things are going to be really important. And if you can create that for yourself or at least sort of line those people up ahead of time, it's all the more valuable because later trying to to find somebody (laughs) to pour your heart out to is going to be difficult when you need to pour your heart out. At that very Um, moment. Yeah. 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 So, you know, find who those people are going to be um, in advance if you can. And then that, yeah, that's, that's so important. Having that community around yourself is, is really, really important. And, and yeah, and creating that, that support for yourself, like I said, especially financially too, there are going to be ups and downs and you don't, I'm not saying you have to have like, you know, a million dollars in the bank or anything like that to start your own business. I certainly didn't, but create, making sure that you have a way that you're not going to have to give up because you ran out of cash. Mm -hmm. So whether you're going to be able to take on side gigs, I used to like teach entrepreneurship classes you know, I would pick up freelance legal work for lawyers. You know, I was, I was just doing other things on the side while I was getting my business going and getting my business to a place where it was paying my full salary and paying for itself. And I was no longer in financial danger, but, but we'd thought about that ahead of time. I'd put those things in place ahead of time so that I could make sure that 
even if the business wasn't having a great month, I was still as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, like my rent was paid. (laughs) I was, I was getting fed. My rent was paid. My stuff was covered. And that was all, you know, I had thought about those sorts of things ahead of time. Well, and I think that's so wise to think about, to recognize that there's going to be ups and downs to this and really important for founders who are early in the journey or considering this journey, there will be ups and downs. And how are you going to get through that? Um, And getting creative about it, getting scrappy about it. It sounds like you did what you needed to do and uh, certainly supported that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you'll hear a lot of founders talk about this, whether it's, you know, oh, I spent, you know, a couple months sleeping in my parents' basement or, you know, I ended up having to like work out of somebody's garage, right? Is the sort of famous tech founder. Yeah, we did it out of my parents' garage. But that's all different ways that people are talking about the same thing, which is that they had a support network around themselves. They had other people's resources, whether it was emotional resources, building space, a bed to sleep on, like they had other people around them that they could tap. And that can also be other organizations. So identifying the organizations in your community, obviously, like what you're doing, Catherine, like knowing who those people are so that you can turn to them for help and say, I don't have time to research this thing. I just need an answer. Can you help or help me get access to funding or whatever those things may be. But like doing a bit of work ahead of time to figure out what those resources are around you and putting those things in place at the outset, I think is really important. Yeah, it sounds like it can really go a long way. We often say at Propel, at least internally in our internal meetings, we we truly believe the founder journey should not be taken alone. And and so creating to your point, that support network is such a critical role because we want to increase the chances of success for all these entrepreneurs. So empowering them not only with the skills, but like you said, even that emotional support sometimes just to stay accountable, yeah. just to ride those ups and downs. There can be quite volatile in the, in the founder journey. And we also believe it takes a village to raise a founder. So that support, <laughs> you know, you could actually picture a, a adorable village in the Highlands and Scotland's where you are. And just imagining literally that village is full of either folks providing emotional support or guidance on how do I raise capital or what kind of support um, you know, legal support, for example, uh, founders have got a lot to learn. So yeah, it's, it's a whole, it's a, it's a group, a group effort, if you will. So let's turn a little bit to Scotland. What can you tell us about the work that you do and Turing Fest? I'm so excited to learn more. Yeah. So Turing Fest, this has been a total change for me coming to Turing Fest. I'd never worked in the event space before. But Turing Fest is an amazing event here in Scotland, in Edinburgh. We do it every summer. And it is a coming together, a gathering of tech workers from all across the UK, Europe, North America. People come from all over. And they come together to learn in a cross-functional way about building better startups, building better tech businesses. Whether that is if whether you think of a business as a brand new thing, but sometimes startups are within larger businesses as well. Sometimes there are startup departments or startup technology or new innovations that you're doing within a a larger business. And it's the one thing I think that cuts across all those types of startups, whether it's an independent business or or a department or a division, is that when you're in a startup, you have to work with other people who do things differently than you do. So if you're a developer, you're going to have to work with the marketing folks. You're going to have to talk to sales. You know? <laughs> you're going to have to interact with the HR and the finance team. And 
you know, like nobody in a startup can just focus on their own little piece of the puzzle because that's not, you know, you want that kind of a job, you go work at a, at a big corporate where you can be a cog in a wheel. If you're going to be a startup worker, you have to learn to work across disciplines. And so that's the way that we put together our conference. It's three tracks. We call the tracks build, grow, and lead. So build, you could think of as being for developers and product managers. Grow is like sales, marketing, people who are really focused on increasing revenue. And lead is people who are responsible for strategy, for scaling, for setting culture, uh, for thinking about the organization more broadly. And we encourage people, regardless of their job description, to sample things out of those different tracks. So we'll have about 40 speakers over two days, tons of content. We bring together the best tech thinkers from across the globe to share their learnings, to share really actionable stuff. And you can go and say, let me pick up, you know, maybe I'm a developer, but I want to pick up what's happening in marketing and I'm going to go think about culture and I'm going to think about, you know, the next steps in my career at the same time that I'm going to go also listen to some of the talks on the build stage. So it's a really unique event in that way because we do really focus on making sure people aren't thinking in a siloed way, but they're cutting across all the different elements um, that you need in order to build a better startup. Gosh, that's so cool. I love the comprehensive approach because no one individual, as you said, no one entrepreneur, whether you're running your own startup or being innovative within a corporation, but you really wear that entrepreneurial hat or that innovate, you have that responsibility of innovation, you can't do it in a silo. I think that's such a fascinating learning. And the way you're even setting up Turing Fest with the whole team acknowledges that, celebrates that, encourages that build, grow, lead. How cool. That's amazing. I feel like Atlantic Canadians, let's like get on a boat and go to Scotland uh, in June. (laughs) Is it in June? (laughs) It's at the end of June. Yeah. June 28th and 29th. Awesome. I mean, I'd recommend flying, but whatever, however right. you guys want to get here. <laughs> <laughs> flying these days is a challenge. It's so that my brain went to boat, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that is just a wise way to look at it, that as a founder, you're never going to live in isolation, focusing on one skill set. Like if I'm a software engineer and that is my passion, it doesn't mean you can ignore the other skill sets that are going to be required at some point in your entrepreneurial journey. So truly rounding that out is key. And you've clearly set that up to, to sort of celebrate and encourage that. It's not even like, you know, if you're the, if you're the developer, like you may not want to work in marketing, you may not ever choose to work in marketing you still have to be able to understand what the hell is going on over in that side yeah. of the business. Yeah. You know, so even if regardless of what part of the business is your passion, if you're in a startup, you have to be able to speak the language and understand what the different dynamics are that are going on in the different parts of the business. So I think encouraging people to get a little bit out of their own, you know, their own sphere of what they're most familiar with and what they're most comfortable with and to start thinking about the other disciplines within the business. Yeah. It's really valuable. And especially for entrepreneurs, so, so necessary. So so necessary. That's the word. Like you can't even avoid it. I say to even my kids sometimes, if you're scared to do it, jump in. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's when the growth happens often. And, and, and entrepreneurs and founders who are listening, they'll know, they'll be like, I'm scared 80% of the time or, or whatever. So, but really just embracing that ambiguity and that sense of, okay, what's next? What's tomorrow? Am I going to be able to make payroll? All of these challenges that they face, but the really acknowledging the fact that 
um, you know, constantly developing that skill set, connecting with other folks and other, you know, if it's marketing for, as you said, that the, the importance of that is really key. Next question for you. I want to learn a little bit about what trends that you've seen since you've moved to Scotland that are different from your experience having, you know, spent a lot of your career in the U.S.? I don't know if it's trends. Definitely Scottish culture is very different from American culture. And it's one of the things that I love about being here. To your point of it takes a village <laughs> to raise an entrepreneur. <laughs> Scotland is a much is a much more community-oriented society. And so people, this is a community that is collaborative, where people share, where people encourage each other and they celebrate each other. I think there's a lot more awareness about people's impact on society and on each other than I am used to seeing in my previous career experience in the U.S. So Mm -hmm. that's really Mm -hmm. lovely and it's really nice to see. And I think it's also something that makes it a safe space for entrepreneurs here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there is there is a community and and there are those of us in the community who are making sure that you can have those networks, you can have that support more broadly. So that for me is a big differentiator when I look at entrepreneurship in Scotland versus in Arizona, for example. Every founder's journey is unique. And if you need help taking the next step in yours, Contact us at info at propelict.com to go further, faster. Right. I, that's so interesting because in Atlantic Canada, we're also a very community-based environment and, and culture. We are in an area where we're four separate provinces, but we sort of behave like one, especially when it comes to entrepreneurship, because we don't have enough yeah. people um, to do it alone. So we're two point less than 2.5 million people in all four provinces. So we, we can't, we know we can't play a numbers game. And and I I can imagine Scotland has, has a similar perspective in that, you know, we're small and mighty. Let's, let's be mighty. You know, we're stronger together, support what we can. And you can see that impact, but empowering entrepreneurs, like I totally believe entrepreneurs are the economic engines of these small regions and, and can really do a lot, especially in the tech space from right where they are. As long as they have an internet connection, there's a lot of possibility. Absolutely. And, you know, looking at sort of things that you can do when you're located somewhere that doesn't have that population density. Obviously, I, you know, I live in the Highlands, which is a pretty sparsely populated place, but you can absolutely, like you said, as long as you have an internet connection, you can have a global business. You don't have to have, you don't need a huge market at your doorstep. You have, you know, access in different ways. And so there's no reason why somebody based in Atlantic Canada can't aspire to and achieve exactly the same sort of thing that you might be able to achieve if you were in Palo Alto. You don't have to, you don't need to be there um, if you're, if you're building that kind of a business. So I love, I love the comment aspire and achieve and achieve people. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) can be done. Let's take dreaming, put dreaming into action. Um, Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I want some advice, wisdom uh, from you, Tanya. So, <laughs> all right, we'll see what I have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I trust there's good stuff in there. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest hurdles that founders in general will face if they're considering, you know, stepping into this journey or they're early in their journey? Um, if you're stepping into the journey, I think probably the biggest hurdle is just going to be 
are going to be two things. One, getting yourself financially ready to do it. You know, obviously when you're stepping into it, your business isn't making money. So making sure that you can do it financially, whether that means having not quitting your job yet or having somebody else that you can rely on, but you do need to make sure that you can actually do it from a life, living your life and continuing to to function sort of point of view. The other hurdle is just Mm self-confidence. And I think that's probably the bigger hurdle. So many people think I've got a great idea. You know, I can, oh, I had that idea years ago. And now look, there's, (laughs) there's Facebook or whatever. Somebody else else did it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and what differentiates those people is that some people just try it and are willing to do it and, and, and being able to say, I'm just going to give this a try. I'm going to have enough self-confidence and enough, I don't know, gumption to just say, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to see how it goes. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of times our, we talk ourselves out of going for things and we talk ourselves out of trying to do things because we're scared that we're going to fail or we're scared about how people are going to think about us or we're scared about how it's going to be perceived. If you can overcome those things and just get yourself to a point of self-confidence of saying, I'm willing to take this leap. That's, the, I think, the biggest hurdle. And I think the way you overcome that is just talk to your friends and your family and the people around you and say, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of going for this. Not, do you think it's a good idea? Don't ask people if they think it's a good idea. Like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Ask them, do you think I can do it? Or can mm-hmm. you support me if I decide to do this? Would you yeah. be, would you got my back? You know? yeah. <laughs> Get yourself and, and obviously ask the people you know are going to say yes, because the people who are going to say no, they don't matter. The only yeah. ones you need are to gather the ones that are going to help you build yourself up, be there to cheer you on and keep mm-hmm. you going when, when you are building and working and struggling and striving. So it can, you can overcome that self-confidence gap, but I love it. Um, well, yeah, I think that's the biggest one. Well, and I love what you said, like, don't ask people if you think the idea is good because inevitably, and we, we talked to our founders about this, those people are not typically your market. So it doesn't matter if no. they think your idea is good or not, because, you know, if they don't have a problem that they're willing to pay to solve that happens to be what you're doing, it's a disconnect anyway. So put them in the bucket of you can yeah. support me in my emotional journey and help me with legal advice when I need it or whatever their particular skill set is. But so surround yourself personally by cheerleaders, experts, if you can, but make sure you're market focused. At some point, we talk to our founders a lot about that, like listening to listening live to actual customers to validate, is this something, you know, is there a problem in the market? Someone is willing to pay to solve and it's not your mom. It's not your buddies you went to college with. They're not your market often. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I also think, Another reason you don't want to ask people if they think it's a good idea is that if you're creating something new, nobody knows if it's a good idea, Mm -hmm. not even you. And the reality is once you get started, you're going to pivot and change and tweak and adjust and, you know, all the other buzzwords that people like to use when they talk about a business started off on the wrong path. And let me tell you, every single business out there started off on the wrong path versus where they are today. But it was the right path to get them to where they are today. Because as long as you're willing to learn and change and adapt, you don't have to have it perfect to get started. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you know, and you're not going to have it perfect to get started. Yeah. Because if you, if you are, then you probably waited too long (laughs) to get started. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it takes me back to what you said earlier, which I think is important to, to reiterate is that the difference between founders that are scared and don't aren't, aren't trusting, they're not really taking that courageous leap. Um, they're waiting. And, and then founders who are inevitably successful, they just do it. They stop yeah. worrying about perception and what other people think. They stop worrying about failure. It's not to say that it's easy to do that, but they're going, well, ready, set, fail. Here we go. And, and sort let's of lean in, yeah. let's do it. And let's celebrate yeah. failure because at least it's trying. And at some point you're really going to start to hit something in the market. If you really are able to listen, lean into data, understand that process, which we do a lot of at Propel, but I, I love yeah. even just that self-confidence and you got to do something like just start anywhere. And you're right. It'll, it'll pivot, it'll shift the path. will the journey will look incredibly different along the way and different than you imagine, but just get in there and do it do something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Another advice question for you. If your daughter said to you, Tanya, mom, I'm going to start a company. <laughs> what advice would you give her? Um, yeah, that's because you've, yeah, you've done it before. Yeah. You've done it before. You but see I would just it. Say, at yeah. Just do it. You know, to that, to what we were talking about previously, just yeah. do it. I would say, you know, go for it, whatever it is, there's value. You know, like you said earlier, let's celebrate failure. I would change that and just say, let's just celebrate trying. There's yeah. so much value in just trying. There's so much learning in the effort and you will get better as you go. You don't have to think the first one is going to be <laughs> a slam dunk. Yeah. You can just make ends meet or you can just survive and still have that have been a worthwhile endeavor. So mm -hmm. if she wanted to start something first, I'd ask her to finish, you know, school, uh, cause she's four, but <laughs> <laughs> priorities school. Got it. <laughs> but once that's done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then. Yeah. yeah I would it. say just go for it. And also, um, to what we talked about before. Yeah. Pull, pull your resources together, pull your support network together mm -hmm. and then go, go get it. I want to share a reflective moment with you. So I interviewed our fellow section mate, Josh Green. And when I asked him this same question, um, Tanya, he had also has um, children. And his answer was, and I think you'll appreciate it because it's a very similar line of thinking. He said, I would tell them, don't just start one. So just try, just try because it's yeah. going to change. You know, like it does have that similar vibe of get in there, try it. And you're, and there's going to be so many iterations. There may be three more companies before you feel, you know, that success that you were looking for. Um, but just try. And to your point, be sensible of all about lineup, financial stability, uh, as much as you possibly can. Um, that's a hard task for a lot of founders, but lots of resources to support that part of the journey. Um, I love it. I love it. Okay. I got yeah. two more questions for you. Okay. Who has inspired you in your career? Oh my goodness. So many people. So definitely my dad is, yeah. is somebody that I, that I look to a lot. He was a lawyer. So he's not what you would generally think of as an entrepreneur. Cause it's a, you know, he just sort of set up a hung his shingle and got, got to work lawyering, but he just had such a, he really led from a place of, um, from his values as he mm. thought about how to, to run his practice. And I think that's something that has been really important to me as I've worked in the various places that I've worked mm -hmm. over the years is always 
leading with values first and thinking about the human beings that you're working with, the people. These aren't business resources. <laughs> These aren't, you know, like it's very easy to look at a spreadsheet and I'm a finance person and that's a lot of how I like to think of the world, but that's not who you're dealing with. And so leading first from a that values led sort of leading with your heart, I think has been a huge part of, of my inspiration um, in business. And then, man, there've, there've been so many people um, over the years that I've, that I've worked with who have just been really, really impressive. So um, that have touched me for one reason or another. I had a, a manager that I used to work with. He was actually the controller at AOL Latin America, Milton Bryce. And he just was such a great people manager. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of these, he was one of these people who just recognized, was really good at recognizing your skills, recognizing your talent, and then kind of leading from behind, you know, where he would just empower you to succeed. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was such a powerful way to lead where it was that he was never directive. He was never saying you have to do this or you have to do that. Instead, he would say, you're a smart person who I hired. (laughs) (laughs) Go be that smart person. Yeah. Yeah. What do you need to get your job done? Let's get this done. And the way that he managed me is I would have a meeting with him every Friday before the end of the day. We'd have a meeting. We'd talk about what I got done that week, what I had on for next week. And we would just... um, we would just sort of like review the decision. Why did you make that decision? Why did you think about that this way? You know, and he was never coming down on me for mistakes or, or anything like that. He would just talk me through my reasoning. And it was such a, again, just like a very human way to, to manage people and to lead. Mm-hmm. And I really, I really, that's something that has really stuck with me yeah. over the years. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think it's important for founders listening who are at the point where they may have raised capital and they're hiring we get a lot of questions. We see early stage founders and then they're with us often for over two years and their problems evolve. Like your, you know, challenges as founders never go away later in their journey. They're often around building a great culture. How do I hire? How do I empower a great team? And so what uh, Tanya, what you've just shared, I think is really valuable because what a great way to lead, hire smart people, help clear a better path for them and sort of support them from behind, I think are the words you used. That's really, really great. I will also pick up on the fact that, you know, watching your father lead from a place of values, I can imagine helped you make the leap as an entrepreneur, because what you saw is that's a really great job for somebody, but your values probably were like, just, you know, a little, a little hint of hesitation and you really were true to yourself in that, in that decision to, to take that leap as a founder. So I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of your father and you and your decisions, even today, um, sort of no. trickling over into Turing Fest. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Final question for you. And this is a, almost like almost a silly one. What are some of your daily habits that keep you motivated? You're a mom, you're busy renovating a house, you've got a lot on your plate. What keeps you going every day? Yeah. So once upon a time, I don't remember who it was, but it was ages and ages ago. (laughs) Somebody told me, you don't need motivation, you need discipline. Discipline is what's there when the motivation fails. And so (laughs) I think that's what I have more than motivation is just discipline, which is that I wake up early in the morning before everybody else in my house because it's just a rule that I made for myself that I do and I have done for the ages. 
I sit down, I journal usually a half a page just because it clears my mind. It gets me going in the morning. I write a to-do list. I have a cup of coffee, try to move my body. So I'll do something Pilates, usually 10 or 15 minutes. Like it's nothing crazy. I'm not getting ready for a triathlon. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just kind of like a little bit of routine that sets me up to have a good day every day. Mm -hmm. So that when I'm not motivated and when I feel like I don't want to get out of bed and I feel like, you know, it's gloomy out or I was up too late or I have a tough day ahead or whatever those things may be that make you want to not drag yourself out of bed and do it anyways. Um, I, it's almost like it's such a habit Um, and the discipline is there from just having done the same thing to get started for so many years that I just do it. And Mm -hmm. so give yourself, I think my advice would be (laughs) create habits that will overcome the need to stay motivated. I love it. I love it. It sounds like you trust (laughs) and it sounds like you trust your routine. You're like, yep. I know this, like it's, I can do it with my eyes closed. And I love that you said it's not extreme. You're not running a marathon every day. You're doing like 15 minutes of Pilates or stretching or, you know, hiking in the Highlands or something, so many beautiful opportunities, but it's not, it's not extreme, but it sets the day for you, um, in a way that you can trust even on, even on gloomy days, which I'm sure does happen in the Highlands in Scotland. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's just, it's really is just setting up habits you know, I mean, I want my coffee every day while the, while the, you know, coffee is being made. I spend those few minutes to write a paragraph of my thoughts and to make a to-do list. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, there's all kinds of books on this. I don't remember what was the latest one I read of just sort of like where you sort of couple your habit that you like with that thing you don't want to do. And then that way you're more likely to do the thing you don't want to do. Right. Oh, very wise. Oh, Atomic Habits. That's what it was. Oh, there we go. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) But, um, but, but, you know, there's tons of books on, on a similar theme, which is just the motivation is hard to keep up every day. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to stay motivated every day. It's not hard to remember to get out of bed and have a cup of coffee. And so if I just want to get out of bed and have a cup of coffee every day, I know that I will make my to-do list. So yeah, it works. It works. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I think um, our audience will have really benefited benefited from hearing your story, hearing your self-awareness around following your values, about creating a support network around you, about just taking action, not being scared. Um, ready, set, try. I love that. I feel, yeah. I feel like that could also go on a t-shirt and sign it from Tanya Gahiola from Touring Press, like ready, <laughs> set, try. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and uh, really, really glad to have you. And perhaps we'll send some Atlantic Canadians over your way um, and actually join Touring Fest one of these days. Absolutely. Well, I have a discount code for you. So if anybody wants to go to touringfest.com and get a ticket and come check us out, you can use code PROPEL20 and it'll get you 20% off a ticket. So if anybody from Atlantic Canada wants to come on over, we'd love to have you here and just let me know so we can say hi. Awesome. Well, thank you ever so much. What We really appreciate that. Um, now I think we're going to have people looking at, at a trip to Scotland this summer. But thank you, Tanya. It's really, really great to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you too. Take care. Thank you for listening to Founder Journeys by Propel ICT. Propel ICT is Atlantic Canada's e-accelerator for tech startups. Are you a founder looking to build on sales and marketing skills? 
reach and engage with the right customers, and ultimately find success? Our coaches are eager and excited to help you and your business go further, faster. To learn more about us and our team, visit PropelICT.com. Propel ICT, where founders become leaders.